George Kirkpatrick, Inspiration for the Nation, celebrating people we feel good about. So we are in a moment now where a lot of companies in particular are focused on three words. You've heard it. It's D-E-I. So what exactly does that mean? Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Okay. So diversity, equity, inclusion are three words that we hear a whole lot of. And a lot of companies claim that that's what they're about. But beyond press releases and company plant pamphlets with people, it isn't really about that, is it really, right? So what we are saying to you is there's a way to do this that really gets the results, that really affects the bottom line, and that also, that also has a way to continue to replenish itself. We call that in a sustainable way. Corporations, Compassion, Culture is the name of the book. Our good buddy is here, Kisha Shreen. And the book is called Corporations, Compassion, Culture, Leading Your Business Towards Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion in a way, right, that really is going to get the results that we want. So, Kisha, you have a- George, it's so good to be here. <laughs> it's so good to have you here. So you're, you, you work- you're, you're part of a business called Refinitive. What is Refinitive? Well, we really focus on data and analytics. And you know what? I have had such a wonderful career because I've had loads of great mentors and sponsors in my career. And there's something actually I talk about in the book. The role of having um, a mentor is fantastic and someone who can help you understand the environment, help you to understand, you know, what your next stage should be in a project or in your career. That's great. But George, you know what? Having a sponsor is amazing. And I think that's what makes my, um, you know, my firm that I'm with now, as well as some of the other firms, so great because there's such a wonderful opportunity to get sponsors. Go Those ahead. are the people who talk uh, when you're not at the table. They talk about you, what you can do, how you can elevate, how they can elevate you. And that's what sponsorship is about. So, you know what? Corporations, part of being sustainable is to have baked in that structure where you have mentors and sponsors. And I'm really glad to say that um, I've experienced both. So that's key to a sustainable environment. So, you know, it's interesting because a lot of places aren't even at that step. You talk about mentors and sponsors they haven't even figured out that they want to even do this or they think they want to do this, but they don't, they look around and there's nobody there to help them through it. So how do we do it? Well, you know, first of all, there are a couple of different avenues that we look at. So when we look at how we want to support, how we want to sustain, we need to really look at the environment. Um, what type of culture do we have? Do people feel included? Do people feel that they can be productive? You know, George, I was looking at a Gallup survey and doing some research. And one of the things that it says is that people who feel productive at work, and that means included, supported, they have nearly 20% greater productivity than those who don't. And also, if you're in sales for sales folks, that's a 20% increase in sales. Now, the evidence is clear. When you are productive, you feel innovative. When you're innovative, you can create great things. And when your people create great things, your revenue increases. So the link between a compassionate culture and a revenue generating culture, that is totally clear. The evidence supports it. And one of the things that I talk about is how we can ensure that people come first, because when we talk about a compassionate culture and a sustainable culture, it's about the people and how they're supported. And you, and you write about employee resource groups, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But part of 
the challenge is the dismantling, right? Mm-hmm. Because before you can sustain something and build it, you've got to tear down what exists. And I think that's what companies, corporations are most afraid of because what they have built, quote unquote, worked for them. And now you're asking them, we're asking them in order to increase profits and revenues, there's some systems here that don't work for everybody. So how Mm -hmm. do you compassionately confront and dismantle at the same time? Well, one of the ways that we approached it and I approach it in the book is to talk about history directly. So once we understand what the issues are and why populations feel the way they do, and by the way, populations feel the way they do, not just because, but they have good reason to if you look at the history. Once we understand the history and take the history seriously, then corporations can begin to say, okay, we see what systemic, what's systemic, what's systematic, what we need to change. But until we do that, until we really come to terms with how um, employees were treated in the past, and you know, we can go before the time of actual employment when there were slaves, and then from that slave period to employment, there were the black codes where, you know what, if you worked and you tried to negotiate your salary, they could throw you back into enslavement. So that may seem to some folks like ancient history, but it's our history. And it's something that we really need to contend with. We really are serious about getting to the bottom of things. So we go from that in the book to talking about things that you know may not really just completely mirror that, but microaggressions, that's what we're dealing with right now in 2021. Yeah. And so let's go from 1921 or 1881 and talk about what's going on right now. Let's talk about the connection. Let's talk about how those things make us feel. And then from that point, corporations can begin dismantling. They can dismantle the language that is belittling, language that is condescending, and replace it with language that is, first of all, cooperative in nature, and then secondly, uplift. So we talk about innovation. We talk about productivity. We talk about um, really having a desire to be there. We talk about really having a purpose-driven environment. So that's the kind of language we're talking about, as opposed to using words like lazy or angry. You know, those things really are triggers. Um, and we really need to realize that we, sh- we shouldn't use those sorts, that sort of language because they can trigger people. And that's definitely what we don't want when we're looking at dismantling the old and building the new. Pushing through on dismantling. Okay, Mm -hmm. I want to talk about culture because there are a lot of systems and cultures and I'm, for example, gender based uh, uh, harassment in the workplace based Mm -hmm. on let's say you have a male identified dominated workforce that is used to speaking and talking in a certain sort of language. And now Mm -hmm. you are introducing women, uh, female identified individuals into that space. And now you're disrupting the cultural patterns and norms. And that doesn't, that there's a lot of resistance to that. Mm -hmm. And so how do you convince these systems that it's in their interest, not, and and not because yes, the law and yes, there's all of these things on the books about equality, but in the actual culture of the organization, very difficult to penetrate, if you will. And so what, how do you address that in the book? 
You know what, the first thing I would say is that if we're looking at really just abolishing some of those things, we need to look at it from a revenue generation perspective. Now, the evidence is clear. A lot of folks talk about diversity. At this point, I talk a lot about inclusion and sustainability because I'm hopeful that the case for diversity has already been made because there's lots of evidence that point to a diverse team, a diverse group, a diverse business. They are the ones that generate revenue. And that's because they have people from different backgrounds, people who can take a seat at the table and who can give their opinions. I remember a few years ago, George, there was a retailer um, and the retailer had a t-shirt and the t-shirt was a picture um, of, a, of a young man. It was a reference to a monkey. And many people said, huh, who did they have at that table to okay that t-shirt to say it was okay to put that young man in a t-shirt with a reference to a monkey? Don't they know about the history? Well, in many cases, no, no one was at the table to represent. Right, right. Mm -hmm. In that case, you know, the firm lost money, they lost reputational damage was done. So first of all, just making sure that we understand that diversity is key from a revenue generation perspective because um, reputations are challenging to build and easy to dismantle and not having the right people there to really give their input is one way that dismantling would um, dismantling reputation could definitely happen. The second piece is sustainability. You know what, George, we see um, over the last year, especially we've seen loads of corporations who experienced walkouts because mm -hmm. people felt it was downright dangerous to be there, right? They weren't right. protected in the age of the pandemic. We've seen um, people that have suffered from lack of fair pay. We've also mm -hmm. seen gender discrimination and racial discrimination. And companies that continue those patterns, that continue to lose good talent because they don't have policies in place, they continue to lose good talent because they don't take mental and physical health seriously in the workplace, those companies will not be sustainable. They can't sustain the future. You know, I'm actually talking with a friend of mine who has a, a business, a startup in Harlem. It's called the Dominici Collective, and he's opening up this week. And one of the things that we constantly talk about is the culture. He told me one time, when people come into my store, the Dominici Collective, I want them to feel like they're at home. I want them to feel good. And I think that's a lesson for so many owners, startup founders, CEOs. You want people to walk into the company and feel something. You want them to feel productive or innovative or at home or good. And that's something that, you know, if we don't have the right level of inclusion, if we don't have a sense toward what we want to do, what our purpose is, and why we want to have a sustainable business, we will never reach the goal where people can walk in and feel what we want them to feel. At the same time, we're in a talk with Keisha Shreen. She's the author of Corporations, Compassion, and Culture, Leading Your Business Toward Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion here on Inspiration for the Nation. And one of the things that occurs to me is that while we are on this movement of diversity, equity, inclusion, we're also on, uh, on the path towards backlash at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so, yes, you're making the case that the bottom line is the bottom line. And that's what our focus should be if we want to be a sustainable business going forward. Yet at the same time, you're seeing pushback, and I guess the pushback is more in the political sense. So how do those two things match up in your view? So George, if we're talking about pushback, I think um, you might be referring to last year, we saw a plethora of black boxes. So yeah. I always say, you know, everybody was standing with this group or supporting this group, and I stand with my ally. And, you know, those things were great to hear. But I know that many people who I talked to said that it was performative. Mm -hmm. So they're standing with me. What does that mean? So they support me. What does that mean? You know, I still have not 
um, gotten fair treatment. I still have not gotten paid that's equal to my colleagues pay. You know, I still haven't really felt like I was included. So in terms of the pushback, there's been pushback from people to, who said, okay, so you stand with me. What does that mean? And you mentioned employee resource groups and the importance of them. Employee resource groups, and those are groups that are within a firm who really advocate and support for equal treatment, equal pay of various cultural groups, various groups with abilities, various ethnic backgrounds, genders, et cetera. And I think that that's clearly a way for um, companies to really get around the issue and really understand what can we do aside from having a black box? If they are concerned about pushback from employees and pushback from consumers, because remember, you and I consume these products. So if they're not doing what they said they were gonna do, if they're not aligning with our values, then they're not gonna get our money because we're not gonna buy from them. So the pushback they're feeling from customers and from employees, really understand where those people are coming from, listen to the employee resource groups who are advocating for communities, for underserved communities. Those, that's your, really your, your secret weapon to really understand what the issues are specific to your firm, specific to your community. And there are some that are very company specific. And you know, we don't like to paint with a broad brush, but things like you know, discrimination, microaggression, macroaggressions, that sort of thing, um, unfair treatment, those are things that we see in many corporations. Also, one of the things that I talk about is how we let people go. You know, that can be a very challenging process no matter what happens. But can we do it with dignity, first of all? Can we make sure that when people are released from the firm that possibly they have training to go to another job? So those are the types of things that employee resource groups can talk to senior leaders about to really make sure that the pushback that they get from employees and customers, they don't just sweep it under the rug, but they understand their perspective, understand where they're coming from, and deal with the issue, that they talk to the people who push back on them and understand, yeah, we push back because we see a black box and we don't see anything else. That's not our idea of support. Understand what support means, what standing with means, what allyship means, and then provide that. Serve your employees and your customers through doing that. And then pushback will likely level off. You talked about uh, employee resource groups for different culture. We used to call those affinity groups. I mean, that's, ah, okay. that's what you, right, right? People, yes. uh, groups that support people who uh, who have been marginalized uh, in mm -hmm. the workplace. And so uh, in wrapping this up, Kisa, I think what you're, you're making the business case for diversity, equity, inclusion, but in a way and in a language, right? Mm -hmm. That business can understand what do you want Three things you want anybody who's picking up the book. Uh, well, that's one thing. And the other two things would be, what do you want businesses to do tomorrow? If you're a small business, a large business, a corporation, what's two things that they can do tomorrow after they get your book? I would say the second thing is really listening. You know, I talked about that a bit, but listening, understand. We, we've heard a lot of folks talk about returning to work, returning to work. Well, I'm hopeful we don't return to where we were before because clearly that wasn't working. Right. So what does the new workplace of the future look like? really take action on what people are talking about. If they're saying, you know what, two days in the office every two weeks, that's good enough for, you know, 70% of us. Don't just brush it off. Listen, try, make it happen. Understand what you need to do to make right. it happen. Right. You know what, if it doesn't work for everyone, then retool, regroup, reconfigure what you need to do. The last thing I would say that, that people really need to do, that businesses need to do, 
is look holistically at what sustainability means. You know, George, we talk a lot about in the environment and social and, you know, governance or managing your business as ESG, environmental and social governance. And a lot of people talk about that in context of sustainability. But what I don't think people see, George, is that particularly leaders in these companies, they don't see the connection. You can't be a sustainable organization if large segments of your population they don't feel included, if mm. they don't feel that they're being paid equally, if they don't feel that they're given the same opportunities to advance and promotions and those sorts of things. You can't be a sustainable business because you won't sustain yourself. People will leave. Good, qualified talent will leave. Your competitors who do recognize the benefit of having these, these talented people will retain the talent, will get the customers, and you'll be out of business. So sustainable business really means putting people first having a lean toward the environment and social issues and the managing of your business, all that starts with putting people first. The book, Corporations, Compassion, Culture, Leading Your Business Toward Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Get the book where books are so key. So what's your website where people can find you? Sure, I'm glad you have that there. My name and my first name and last name is Kisa, K-E-E-S-A, Shreen, S-C-H-R-E-A-N-E.com, KisaShreen.com. Go there and you'll see all the information. Also, reach out to me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. So glad to have you on. Kisa, doing the great work leading us towards diversity, equity, and, and inclusion with compassion. We appreciate you. And George, you know that we, we, I know that we'll have uh, some time to talk again soon. Kisa Shreen, Inspiration for the Nation, kisashreen.com.